Hello, you are listening to the Cycling Tips Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey, and I have here with me Ronan McLaughlin. Ronan, hello. Hello. Shoddy, David Everett. Hello there. Nice shirt. Thank you very much. One of my many Batman ones. Not that the audience can see it. You threw me there because nobody ever throws to me first. <laughs> yeah, well, you should have been paying attention. I, I was trying to get rid of my phone from beside the recorder because usually you just give me such a hard time if I've corrupted the files. So I was throwing in all sorts of directions there. Yeah, you're that, notorious for corrupting that, files. Do that, you want me to do you again? No, no, no. That you know that one time that I did that in what three hundred recordings. You know, I'm, I'm obviously notorious for that reason. So. Um, no, no, wait, it's done. Actually, it it's was like now. it was like 10 times in a row. All right. It was okay. in the beginning. <laughs> You've improved a lot. I'm sorry, Ronan. I'm sorry. Johnny Long, hello. Hi, Abby. How are you? Very good. Well, I mean, I guess fine. I don't know. Who knows these days? Kit, hello. Hello. Oh, John, Kit wasn't meant to be on this week. Uh, I was subbed in. I, th- I think the idea is that we, we start with as big a group as possible and then we get whittled down week by week, um, oh, like a me, Hunger Games me. version <laughs> of cycling media. Oh, Hunger Games, yeah. No, I just got back to my hotel room to defrost, so um, I jumped in. I thought it would be interesting to have Kit on because you are at the Track Champions League, the UCI Track Champions League, which is pretty cool, mm-hmm. so we're going to hear about that later. We've got some news about Quintana, or I guess some kind of news, still a question mark, but potential movements. There's some climate action charter news and some other little bits. But before we dive into all of that, we should probably address the, the elephant in the room, which is most of you have probably heard by now about a week ago, our fearless leader. Kaylee Fretz was let go, um, along with the nerdiest of all nerds, the world's favorite nerd, Dave Rum. That, that's saying a lot when we've got Ronan on the call. It really is. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ronan pales in comparison to oh, Dave Rome when I, it comes I, to I dirtiness. Can, I can only dream of such nerdiness. If, if, if you're looking for a descriptor for Matt Denise, you surely the world's most grammatically correct uh, person. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the person that really holds the website together. Um, I mean, his eyes are on pretty much every single article on the website. He is the reason we have no typos. And if there are typos, then it's because Matt was asleep. And so he wasn't able to check out that piece. (laughs) Um, But he's really kind of like the the silent backbone of cyclingtips.com. Um, and yeah, a week ago, the three of them were let go along with Steve Brawley, who is our part of our sales team or was the sales team for cycling tips and does some incredible work. The four of them, um, cycling tips has grown quite a bit in the last year. We went from a really small organization. I mean, when I first started, it was like eight people who would be on the calls every week and it felt very much like a family. And over the last two years we've grown and we've added more people to that family Ronan Kit and Johnny being three of them and it's been amazing the the growth that we've been able to accomplish is mostly because of the Velo Club and how much we how much support we have from them and is also just because we here at Cycling Tips do things a little bit differently when it comes to covering bike racing and bikes in general 
And it's amazing that a lot of people want to be part of what we do. And also that a lot of people love following what we do. And um, last week was was a little hard for everybody. I mean, it's it, it was a shock. And I think that for all of us, we've, we are way more than just colleagues. We're friends outside of work. We have inside joke for us. Losing three key members of our team was not easy. And we will continue to try to do what Cycling Tips does. I don't really know exactly what to say, <laughs> but obviously we'll miss Kaylee a lot on this podcast. Can, can I just take it a, a bit, uh, Ab? I think, as I suppose... I think I'm now the um, the longest running member of staff. It's either me or Andy who takes care of Velo Club. Uh, I joined um, officially in 2014. I was I did some stuff with Wade back at the 2013 tour down under, and I remember Matt actually coming on as his first employee. I was a little bit envious if I was if I'm honest because I was mates with Wade. We'd we'd do a bit of racing together back then. And I was like, oh man, that guy's got a, looks like he's gonna have an awesome gig. And I, I remember everybody coming on, and I remember that family growing uh, from what was, I don't want to say scrappy startup, but just um, an enjoyable, fun startup with not really knowing where where it was going when Wade brought us on. Wade knew he wanted to make something bigger than the blog that he had. And then to see each and every one of the staff come on over the years and it just get bigger and bigger and people not to be staff members but to actually be friends and it, it sounds so naff to say family but I think everybody on this call and everybody who's not on the call and everybody's not on the CT books now would class themselves as a family this is it's a site that has uh, I would say a feel that you won't find really many other places in the uh, online in the cycling community and at least I like to think it is and um, hopefully even though we're missing four fantastic people who help the website flourish uh, and be what it is today hopefully uh, we can sort of steer our way through this and get to a place just yeah hopefully we can keep doing what CT does best we will see what happens with everybody here is still passionate. Well, I know I am. I'm still passionate. And I know we've, all, we've had a week where it's been messy heads, shall we say. Shadi, you mentioned there, you know, at least you like to think that we're unique in the, in the, you know, the, in the cycling media world. Uh, and I think, I think we've always thought that all of us here have, have, at Cycling Tips have always thought we're, we're trying to do something unique here, trying to... Uh, just bring a, a different a different way of writing, I guess. Um, and if anything, uh, reluctant to use the word positive because it's been such a tough week. But if anything positive was to come out of the past few days, it was just sort of all the comments and all the emails and all the messages and everything that we got from uh, Bell Club members that we got on social media that we got into our email inboxes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, at least for myself, in a way, that was sort of confirmation that we. We were and we are on the the right track, uh, and to get those was, um, especially in such a tough week, it was it was a, a little consolation, not consolation, but it was just, it was it was so welcomed all those messages that that, that I got at least. So, uh, if anybody listening had 
reached out over the past few days. I just want to say thanks for, for doing so and thanks for um, confirming what, what we had always believed. I guess the, the challenge now is to, to keep that keep that going um, and sort of, you know, keep uh, keep on, keep on the same track as, as we had been on and keep everybody who had reached out, uh, make sure they're getting the same as, as they were to you beforehand. Got to agree, my Mastodon t- notification has gone bananas. <laughs> oh, thank goodness for Johnny Dave. <laughs> yeah, the the outpouring of support has been, it feels kind of weird. I've, I mean, speaking for myself, it feels weird to be left behind in a way. Like, Kaylee has always been such a huge part of Cycling Tips. I mean, his face is on this podcast right now that you're listening to for a reason. And, and I mean, Rome and Matt as well. And so it feels like there's this huge blank hole left in the room. But there's definitely the amount of people that said something like on Velo Club or also like messaged personally has been kind of wild. I never would have expected that. I mean, if there's a time to be cheesy, it's now. I don't know. I feel like uh, anything that could be said is to really lay it on. But I have, because the news, so the news broke, what, a little, little under a week ago. But interestingly, I don't know, it feels kind of like, I mean, we have almost, almost all got closer in a week as well. And certainly seeing all that uh, support from online. And on Saturday night when I was at the the track, um Everyone had heard. Everyone knew what was going on. Uh, I was wearing a Cycling Tips branded jersey, and I got lots of smiles and comments. And it was really, it was very, it was yeah, heartening. And it, like Ronan said, it made, it's all made. Um, although it was, you know, not to make it, didn't make it a great deal easier, but it was a much sweeter pill to swallow than it could have been. And I've almost found that I want to write better. Not that I wasn't trying before, but I want to be, I want to be better. And carry on what we're doing um, with the team that we've still got. Um, just, just to add my piece, uh, I, I don't want to understate how how weird it feels not having predominant, predominantly Kaylee for me. Oh, can you hear the Hoover? Someone's just started hoovering. No, it feels it feels it feels so weird. It, it feels so weird. And for me personally, I think there are a lot of things that you know you would like to say because it's not as simple as just being like, oh, you know, we'll carry on and everything will be normal because it won't be. Um, but I would still like to pick up paychecks at the end of the month and I would still like to make a podcast. I still like to write articles. So there's like a balance that needs to be found and a line to be trod. Um, so that is, that is what is going on. But, but, but yeah, I I think that it's just to point out for me, there's a lot of things that can't be said that people maybe would like, like to be said. Um, but it's being in a position to be able to do that. I don't know if I've overset the line there, but that's just what I think. But as far as this podcast, we're not entirely sure what is going to happen with it, but we'll continue to make it as we have. Well, we can. So, right, podcast-wise, Abbott, if I'm honest, this is a weekly. I, I treat this as a, when I am on as a weekly get together, just to have a like, good old chit chat, good good laugh. I, w- I would be stupid not to carry it on just just for that pure selfish reason. You can do it and keep recording it for ourselves. We've always kind of approached this podcast as like a bunch of friends getting together to talk about bike racing or bikes or something having to do with bikes. Freewheeling is very much the same way. And I think that that's why people listen to it. At least that's why my mom listens to it. 
That's why my mom listens to it. <laughs> and why Kaylee's mom listens to it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All the moms. <laughs> okay, so let's let's dive into the news now that we've got that out of the way. The Quintana team situation, last time we left off, Quintana is in a little bit of a pickle. So obviously after the Tour de France this summer, Quintana tested positive for a tramadol. And ever since then, there's been a lot of news around which team he's going to ride for next year. He parted ways with Arkea Samsic. And now there's a lot of rumors about where he's going to go next year. I think the latest rumor might be the bit that he might go to Bahrain. He basically said that he was going to be world tour next year. But because it was translated from Spanish into English, I'm not sure whether or you know English speaking media isn't sure necessarily whether he means he's going to be racing at world tour races or a rider for a world team. Um, and then the question came up of whether it might be Movistar. Um, and he said, oh, well, I have a good relationship with them, which we might scratch up. I don't know, four heads up. But um, uh, he so that was a kind of I have a good relationship with them it's an option now the detail that's missing there is that there are 30 riders on that roster for from January and world team roster sizes are going back down to 30 next year so they're full um, and then that led to um, rumours later in the day I think it was Sunday um, of Bahrain victorious being an option which is a brilliant idea considering Mikael Lander is there um, which just makes it so great. <laughs> What's interesting is that no no teams have chimed in except to say, no, he's not writing He's not looking to retirement so yet. So there's been no, Movistar hasn't anyway. said anything, Bahrain hasn't said anything. Well, with um, Sonny Colbrelli retiring, uh, they need a new guy oh, for yeah. the Paris-Roubaix cobbles. So maybe that's the sort of slot that Nari Quintana can fill for the team. Especially if, you know, they want to separate him and Lander and keep Lander for the Grand Tours, then... Quintana can just do a full sort of spring classics. Did anybody else just feel like slightly infuriated when you heard the rumour that he was going to movie star? I mean, like, here is a guy who was disqualified from the Tour de France this year, going to a team who, well, the team, the team itself has they had no problems with the team, but they've had a rider for the last 20 years or so who has had a checkered past, who has shown no remorse for his actions in the past, uh, was actually banned from racing in Italy at one point. Uh, while he could still race elsewhere and now they've given him a job as some sort of general or something within the team uh, and meanwhile taking back a rider who the only rider to be disqualified from this year's tour I mean like come on <laughs> uh, yeah that's just yeah but Ronan the team's classification sixth overall that could be mm. key to them reclaiming that mm. you know you've got to forget about all this you know any scarless goings on it's all about the team's classification <laughs> That's what we're all here for. Yeah, well, here, look, I don't know. It just uh, it, it, it struck a chord with me that um, it's not what we need to be seeing. I thought it was mildly amusing for the same reason, really. And, the, I mean, it would be good for the uh, least expected day series to get a rematch of um, I don't, all of that. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe that's this, the angle. <laughs> this probably is the least, the least, 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 least expected of all the least expected days. I mean, I think, yeah, it's still developing, definitely. And um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, if he goes anywhere, and how that turns up for him. We're moving on. We're moving quickly. Annemiek van Vluten 
auctioned off a bunch of her kit at uh, her local bike shop in the Netherlands, and she raised $17,000 for the Amy Peters Foundation and Bikes for Maasai. This is like a little bit more good news. We, we need some positive news. There's more negative news coming up, so just taking like a little detour into positive news for a second. Kit, you wrote the story. Can you tell me if either... Anime Van Vluten socks or illegal skin suit from the World Championships were included in the items that were auctioned off? Um, I can't confirm that. I could have looked closely at the photographs, uh, I suppose. But um, among the uh, items being auctioned were a lot of accessories, of which socks are included, um, and special, or what do we call them, special edition jerseys, unique jerseys, um, including Tour de France jerseys. No mention of World Championships, Um so I don't know. But uh, yeah, um, about 200 people turned up. Um, and if you didn't have a thousand euros to um, or to bid for a yellow jersey, then you could spend 10 euros to, in the meet and greet. And yeah, they, so they, they raised 17,000 euros, which is almost as much as the past two years of her auctions combined, which is a nice... Uh, well, I think, I wonder if it's a, it's a tribute both to who Annemiek van Vluten is and potentially also the support that the Amy Peters Foundation uh, rightly deserves and that people want to support. And the other charity um, that is getting a portion of the funds is Bikes for Maasai, which um, provides bikes particularly to children, I believe, of the Maasai uh, population so to help them get to school, which can be 20 kilometres from their homes. So, um, yeah, it's a, definitely it was, it's a good story to read. Um this weekend um, a nice way to end the season i think it's by far the best use of pro team kit that i have heard of <laughs> you know the, the pros get so much of this stuff it's like mind-boggling abby you'll know all too well how much kit pros <laughs> get every year um too much so to see it go to you some good use like this um is ronan i'm i'm loving the energy you're bringing to the podcast today it's like you had four weetabix <laughs> you know taken down valverde <laughs> You know, talking talking about the Anamite Van Vluten skin suit, I'm just, I'm on the edge of my seat to see what's, what's going to come I, up next. Just to correct that <laughs> statement you've just made, I did not mention Valverde. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, well, I've joined you. It's an assumption you've you made the there, then. so just, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you say he's gone? He's not gone anywhere. He's he's not going to be far from our thoughts. <laughs> I've been gone for like four weeks, so I'm shaking off cobwebs over here, trying to get back into the bike racing. I just want enough movie star going to keep that painting of him on the back of their bus that they had at the end of the season last year. They should change it to Anamik Van Vluten. They should, really, yeah. Yeah, it looked like something that you'd see on the side of, um, like, a... Uh, a merry-go-round at a, at a fun fair or something and some badly paint that, that next to some badly painted Thor and <laughs> Captain America. It's in it's in one of your videos, isn't it, Shelley? It is. Yeah, jump on the YouTube channel. Have a look on the thumbnails. I've used it as one of the thumbnails. It was that spectacular. Yeah, big airbrushed face of Valverde on the back of the team bus. Apparently, the I, I haven't watched the Movistar Netflix series, but apparently they didn't really include the women uh, at all in the last season. But, appa- but they will hopefully do more of them 
for the for like the next season because yeah, they I'd like to think so. won the Tour de France, the Vuelta, the Giro, and the World. Yeah, they did get some inclusion. It was maybe one episode out of six when they were properly included, and there were some interesting, slightly dated comments from certain members of staff. Uh, somebody being left in a ditch because they had fallen off and they just drove past. Um, so it, it it was slightly. Slightly cold, I think. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I'd like to see the same production value poured into the women. And so, like you say, I mean, three Grand Tours, World Championships, although not that they had involvement there, but still. Yeah. I mean, anyway, speaking of team buses, the UCI has recently announced a new climate action charter that I'd, is pretty interesting. I didn't know what where the segue was. That was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> took, took me a second to get it, but... Amazing yes. segue. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, teams and races alike have signed up with the UCI's new cl- climate action charter. The teams involved, some of them are Trek-Segafredo, Yamavisma, EF is part of it. And the two, probably two of the biggest race organizers in the in in cycling, the Flanders Classics and ASO, have both agreed to be part of it. They're basically going to measure and report their emissions output throughout the year, and try to reduce waste and energy. And this is pretty interesting. I when I was reading through it, mostly because for the teams, one of the biggest energy expenditures is travel to and from races. I think for a men's world tour team, there's like the team bus, there's the big giant bus that's got all the bikes in it. There's like another one for the time trial bikes. Sometimes they keep them separate. It's so, so many vehicles that transport from place to place. And um, so that's one of the biggest energy expenditures for teams. And for race organizers, it's obviously also the race vehicles and the helicopter for TV. I found this interesting because they still haven't changed the calendar so that there's it's more cohesive. Everyone's still going to be driving from from Belgium to Italy and then Italy back to Belgium and then back to Italy. So, but I guess it's a step in the right direction. What I found interesting was that um, both Bahrain and UAE World Tour teams found the moral fiber to sign up to it, but Ineos surprisingly did not. Um, but then when you go to a race and you see just how many vehicles that team has, like all the teams have loads of vehicles, but Ineos really like, they take over car parks. It's it's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's like the sort of least appealing fairground attraction ride coming to your town. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, but and until you get everyone signing up to it and until you stop having just a, an untold amount of cars and but like how how much would this actually help like a couple three years ago i think went to a quick step uh start of season press meet and greet thing and they said how they were going to start planting trees and calculating their their stuff but i mean you can't pull this the, all the emissions back in the ground so and, and unless we really reconfigure how we do bike racing then i think a lot of it is just hot air and, and pr to give my frank opinion <laughs> it really just quick um Reminder, I think a few of us were at Paris-Roubaix in uh, October 2021, and we happened to be staying in the same hotel as the Jumbo Visma men's squad uh, the night before the race, and we were staying in Compiègne, and this was just the men's squad at the race, and they, if I remember correctly, had 13 vehicles with them. There was two mechanics trucks, countless team cars, VIP buses, there was a kitchen 
on wheels with them, you know, and I'm singling out Yombo Visma here because they happen to be the team that we were sharing hotels with, but go around the World Tour uh, Peloton and most of the teams will have the same amount of vehicles with them, so it's, it's uh, you know, it's one thing, the couple of cars that we see on TV and maybe it's one year's car going to the feed zone, but all the other vehicles that we don't see on TV following these races around, that's, you know, that's really, I guess, where the it quickly adds up. And at the same time, the UCI just changed the rules for women's racing, where they're now allowed to have two team cars. So they actually upped the number of team cars in women's races by one. Wow, but like men's team are allowed to have, like, just at the classics this year, I think it was, let's pick on B&B hotels here. They had, I think it was like a, a cryo chamber truck, a truck with like this place where they went in. It was like these freezing, not sh- like showers, but they're, blasted you with cold air there was a truck specifically for that i'm pretty sure it was b&b hotel you just think the stuff that they're throwing out here about yeah lowering emissions and that lot you basically just got you have to change the way racing's done completely to be able to make it a sustainable sport now at, at least they banned richie port's mobile hotel room that was from a few years back yeah i, I was just wondering about the about the b&b cryo chamber is that specifically for pierre alonda they like reanimating him <laughs> every morning before the tour stage sort of Lazarus style because he often he often does look quite grumpy these days so I'm wondering if it's just because he's sort of they've slipped him into a coma and then you know got him onto the start line wheeled him on we need to look into that well I mean speaking of well there's another Frenchman who had some interesting comments um, this week uh, Guillaume Martin interesting comments partly about the position of the particularly the Tour de France and the calendar. Um, and uh, I mean, we know that Guillaume Martin is an incredibly smart guy, um, you know, philosophy degree, written a couple of philosophy books. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it was very kind of, I don't know, sobering in a way to hear him be so overt about these things and just saying, you know, what I do is much more polluting than the average person. Um, and how long can we continue to do this? Yes, we want to entertain ourselves, but uh, can we do it in a different way or at a different time? One of the, yeah, one of the best lines of that piece was that he said he doesn't know how much longer they can justify having the tour in July because of the extreme heat as, you know, the, the climate crisis deepens, um, which is, you know, quite a powerful thing for one of the bigger French riders to, to say that. And th- this year, uh, specifically when we were... Uh, down towards the Pyrenees, I think, when it was just so, so hot and you were like, this is not normal. I mean, coming from the UK, any sort of heat is like, this is not normal, but it was particularly, particularly bad. Spent the rest day in, in a cold river. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we did the podcast from the river because it was too, because our, our, our accommodation had no air con. So we had to go and lie in a river to, to be able to do work. Um, I mean, also, we, we were traveling around France in a, a big old Mercedes or something and had like taken three flights, so we're not exactly helping. I think that's probably probably important to, to qualify before we sort of particularly, you know, cast judgment on everyone. But I, I just wanted to mention, like, B&B taking a cryotherapy van around. Surely that was the biggest waste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Ronan, they need Roland in the breakaway. Like, Everyone needs it. Yeah, well, did it help? The mm. Perhaps not. <laughs> perhaps it wasn't worth... Meanwhile, Trek Segafredo just have like a kiddie pool that the guys all climb in there together at the end of the stage. Yeah, Ineos had something... I think they had like a, a, a mini lazy lazy spa that they filled up with ice every day or something. But it was like only for 
like Adam Yates and someone else, or maybe no one else wanted to, but it's, it seemed like a very personalised option. See, Abby, if you might had... Be a case. Might, might, might. Go, Go ahead, sorry, shall I? No, no, it might just be the case. That might, you never know, it might have been one of them lads that pees in the pool and then everyone else is like, don't get in after him. <laughs> well, maybe it was Tom Pidcock. He, he just went and jumped in a fountain, didn't he? Is that at all? I can't oh, yeah, I remember yeah. what it was now, but mm-hmm. he definitely jumped in a fountain. That can't Let's... be hygienic. Well, if you want to hear more about overheating in cycling, uh, <laughs> tune into this week's freewheeling <laughs> podcast where abby cut me off yep don't tell him i cut you off that ruins you, half of the what fun. happens no don't worry about it <laughs> you cut, you cut off. it's a very special freewheeling episode um only available to the bellow club mostly for copyright infringement moving on there's just a little bit of a little bit more good news just sprinkled in there a little bit ben turner extends with ineos Great for Ben Turner fans and also for Ineos because I think that they are in a little bit of a weird spot when it comes to their roster next year. So, yeah, he, he, he was, was one great of the revelations the of the, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Descending into chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were making the same point though that uh, yeah. Ben Turner was one of the revelations of the spring. So, um, yeah, you couldn't sure. watch a spring classic without seeing Ben Turner's big figure uh, crushing it on the front. Quite often for a teammate, and he would just destroy everybody else. After Paris-Roubaix, he couldn't really stand up. Like he took like five minutes to be able to sort of come to, and he was sort of managing to like lean backwards. Do you, do you remember those toys you used to get as a child where you uh, push yeah. the bottom, and then it would all sort of collapse in on itself? He was like one of those. So I think just for the amount of effort that he clearly put into that race, probably deserved deserved an extension. Yeah, I mean, I guess they have twenty eight riders signed for next year, but does that mean they have two spaces left? For Mark Cavendish and Max Richese. Well, I was going to say two high-profile riders without no, a contract Kevin at the moment. <laughs> no, but they don't. But they don't employ anybody who's ever had anything to do with um, doping, do they? That's why they couldn't have Simon Yates because he had the asthma infringement. Well, well, it's important to qualify that Quintana, although he did test positive for tramadol, it no, wasn't a I, no. doping. But I imagine that would probably kit. still be not towing the line, would it not? Yeah, and they are they are stringent mm. with that. So, yeah. Yeah, right. doping was the wrong word, and I corrected somebody last week for that very same infringement, but, you know. It was probably me, so <laughs> I'm glad to return the favour. Cavendish rode for them back in 2012 when they were Sky for one season. Yeah. yeah. He was led out by Bradley Wiggins and in the yellow jersey on the Champs-Élysées. That was, oh man, that was one of the best moments in cycling. Abby, I thought you were about I thought you were about to use this to, yeah. <laughs> to segue into the next topic on the run sheet seamlessly. I was just wait I was waiting. I thought that's what Ronan was setting us up for a minute. That's ago. what I was trying to do. Yeah, I was trying to uh. link it for the cab and then <laughs> segue back into the other kind of running news that we've been covering a bit on the podcast and that is still ongoing is that time is running out for the B and B hotels team to kind of finalize their their funding for next year announced whether or not they have signed Cavendish. And I feel like one of the things that's kind of got lost in all of the news about B&B is that, yeah, maybe Cav is going to ride for them, maybe not. But they also have an entire women's team that they haven't even announced yet that is hanging in the balance. And um, some pretty big, well, a couple big names on the team, most notably Audrey cordon Rago. So there's like that whole other side to the B&B fiasco that's going on because for that whole team to fall apart would be a pretty big bummer for some of the women. And the part of the, well, the last time I think, well, the I don't know, the last concrete news 
that there hasn't been any of really. It's all been rumours and this might have happened, this might not, um, or just people trying on kit. That was news at one point, wasn't it? Um, which is the only reason we're pretty sure that there's a signature waiting to happen from Mr. Cavendish. But um, yeah, the, I mean, the last time uh, Pino was interviewed, um, he said that very much was the plan was very much still to have the men's and women's team running next year. But that came just after um, the suggestion that B&B hotels, as it is now, had offered their female riders, their women's team, up to other alternatives, um, putting them on the shop floor, I suppose. But he then said, no, that's not happened. I haven't said anything. I mean, you know, it's, it's PR, so who knows, really. Um, but yeah, it would... Uh, it's And it's getting to that point in the season where it's... You kind of hope that, that people have been offered other opportunities, but at the same time, I don't know... Having a B and B, having another French team for the women's side as well, would be really nice. I don't know, and have not, Audrey Cordon Rego at the head of it. It's not getting to that point of the season. It's it's past that point. No, of the that's season. true. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost into December, and is the latest we've heard is that the 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 hard deadline for this to happen is the thirtieth of November, in in order for B and B to get their license and registration everything for did i read that somewhere i think that's what we've heard through the grapevine the uci can be pretty flexible with that they have done well have tried to be in the past if you remember with um the whole next hash debacle they kept pushing it back pushing it back pushing it back hoping he would find a sponsor leaving the space there for him to re-enter with a, a sponsor and that have the place for the team so fingers crossed like the uci keep pushing it back but it just amazes me. That not, not. It doesn't amaze me that I can't find a sponsor. But being a, a team from Brittany, like that's the heartland of French cycling up in that place. And there is so many s- small teams up there who do have decent sponsors, decent decent squads. And it just you do like like the Akia Samsek team has developed from what was once a very small. Um, continental team called Jean Floch which goes back 20 30 years and you just it's it's amazing that like and they were a meat I think they were like a meat company like a so beef and stuff in supermarkets and it amazes me like there's not a local Basque not sorry a local Bre- uh, Brittany company who hasn't stepped in to save the team on some level yet whether it's the men or the women's maybe you know all the B&B lot, Quintana, Cav, us could like all make a sort of like WhatsApp group for precariously employed people and like sort of share tips and and if worse comes to worse, maybe we could just interview interview them and they could like ride around and then that, that could be its own little cottage industry. I don't know. Just a thought. <laughs> You're a brave man, Johnny Long. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. It is the closest to the head office at the moment as well in New York. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in the right time zone. I'm. I'm feeling it. Another team that's kind of on the, on the edge of falling apart at the moment is Lacole Wahoo. That they announced just today or a couple of days ago that they lost a title sponsor, not Lacole or Wahoo, but they did allow. They told all their other riders to look for other teams, which is a huge bummer because it's been a pretty awesome team. Um, for women in the UK coming up and in the last couple of years they've really turned into a 
a really good team. I mean, this year they had Lizzie Holden, who was just amazing. Micah Vandadun, who was awesome. And Alice Towers won the, the national championships. So they had a handful of really good riders. And all three of them are leaving the team. Um, Lizzie's going to UAE, and Micah and Alice are both going to Canyon Stream Racing. But the team has really churned out a lot of incredible talent. And to see it go away would be a huge bummer. So some more bad news. And they've had such a rough time of it before with sponsors as well like it's just a team that's doing such great work and then just seems to repeatedly get hit by the same difficulty it's it's uh, tough to watch yeah and they they wanted to go world tour it was a goal and then they kind of stepped back a little bit reeled it back in and we're going to continue to be kind of a stepping stone and it, it was sort of strange the way they announced that they had lost a title sponsor and then wouldn't confirm whether it was you know Wahoo, Lacall, Temper, whoever, you know, presuming, let's hope that they find a replacement sponsor. Whoever it was that pulled out, presumably, will no longer be in the team name next year, and we will then be able to figure it out. So, I, yeah, kind of strange that it wasn't just, uh, you, know, you, you don't have to give the brand a hard time for pulling out. There could be any myriad of reasons for why a, a brand had to see sponsorship of a team, but it seems strange not to at least name which... Uh, sponsor they were parting ways with okay so that's most of the major news last week it's not we rounded up what we could it's off season so there's not a ton going on minor moves but before we end the podcast kit you are at the uci track champions league yes i was and tell us about it well yeah so saturday night i uh set out well wrapped up on a snowy trek to uh the ufo as supposedly they call it here, um, the Berlin Velodrome. Um, it's a very interesting building built uh, for the Olympics in the early 2000s. And it just looks like this massive sunk spaceship that's level with the ground once you get up to the level that it's on. Um, and uh, yeah, it, so I went, I, I was I was invited to head in there early and I got a nice tour, great hospitality. And what was immediately very obvious is that they are, a huge traveling circus and everything that was there was so much that they they've been taking around with them and to make it the spectacle that we see it but at the same time it feels like a really it's that old saying in business it's a big company acting small or a small company acting big and so this is a really big enterprise and massive traveling circus that if i mean if not acting small certainly acting friendly and passionate and personal um and yeah, I mean, it was a very, it was a great event to be at. And it was very different to what you see on screen. I mean, not very different. Obviously, it's still a bunch of track racing. Um, but uh, the environment that they've tried to foster, and it's part of the whole goal of it, is to have this kind of party in the velodrome and uh, cultivate new experience with new fans and get people excited about the sport. Um and I mean, so it was great to be, sorry, I'll start that again. Um, and then once the crowd arrived, they, I mean, the experience of being there with the with the crowd and a few great German riders uh, in the mix was, it was, I mean, it really got your heart going. Um, and uh, they were, you know, the, the Ukrainian rider got great support, Polish riders, German riders, Katie Archibald was a massive hit. 
Um, and the rivalry between Harry Leverson and Matt Richardson is alive and well, um, which is great fun because, I mean, last year, Harry Leverson in the sprint category was just unbeatable. So it's good to have a, uh, a rival for him who does who has now beat him twice in the sprint category. And I was talking with one of the uh, one of the staff there that uh, if there was a villain, it would be Harry Leverson because he's so damn good. But the problem is he's got this this massive smile and he's he's just too he's too much of a cuddly bear really to be the villain um so and that just i mean that that leads me on to probably the biggest takeaway is that the people enjoying it most i think are the riders themselves um and matt richardson said at last week's event that uh you know that in track racing Yes, you get to see, as opposed to in road racing, where you know men's and women's teams travel separately and the races are at different times, and sometimes you don't meet your own teammates for several months at a time. In track racing, you do when you have a race, you are all in the same velodrome, and you're all, um, you know, in a concentrated space, even if you are focused on your own event. Um, and yet, there aren't as many events that you get to go to, so there isn't that much of a program a series um and this provides them with that opportunity to have a really or to be part of this traveling circus which uh they're all obviously enjoying a lot um and uh yeah i mean to be because I, I was in track center for a lot of it and the uh the riders were yeah more into it than anyone else um i think my favorite moments of the night i went up into the crowd to watch katie archibald's uh second win of the night in the um, elimination race, which is always great fun to watch. And the crowd was really in the zone at that point. Um, and yeah, she took it. She was able to cross the line with her hands in the air, which is well-deserved. Um, and uh, yeah, that, so that was really special to see. It got me a little bit emotional, in fact, being up in the crowd. And uh, after everything she's been through over the past few months, it was amazing to see. But... I think my favourite moment of the night was Dylan Bibich's uh, second, Dylan Bibich's uh, win in the elimination. Um, because earlier in the night, he had crashed out of the scratch race, an event in which he's the world champion. Um, and he won that in his first elite world championships earlier this autumn. Um, so he was absolutely devastated uh, to hit the ground so hard and to, you know, he get no points, but also just not to be able to finish the race. And he walked down the steps and into track centre, just looking utterly dejected and in quite a lot of pain. And I was standing practically right next to him when he was when they were all lining up for the um, elimination. And boy, did he look done already. This was before that he started. He, um, he looked like the last thing he wanted to do was get on his bike. But it's that thing that we all love about cycling. It's that uh, defiance to get up and get going again and... It, it was like, uh, yeah, he used all that fuel, the adrenaline and the disappointment at having crashed so hard um, to to win the elimination. Um, and I don't know how he did it, but it was fantastic to watch and all the better for the night that he'd had. That was, that was a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, what I was going to ask you, Kit, was you said uh, you were taking earplugs with you. Was it pumping? Was the crowd well into it? And was it... Was it busy? Was it a nice full house? Yeah, I mean, it was, I believe it was a, a little over half full. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't 
it wasn't bursting at the seams, but the crowd that was there was very much into it. And yeah, I confess I did uh, put my earphones in from time to time, especially when especially when I was up in the uh, crowd um, where the and closer to the speakers in the ceiling. Um, that venue is also a concert venue, so uh, the sound was very very good and very very high. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really good environment, um, and the atmosphere created was definitely. I mean, and the kid there were so many kids there. It was probably a third of the crowd was probably, I don't know, under 18. Um, and they were incredibly enthusiastic. Um, yeah, it was, that was, that was probably the biggest takeaway was as how much the crowd was enjoying it. I mean, as opposed to the TV, because, you know, it's, it's hard to see it. it. It's, you just watch it like it's a World Cup event or a World, world Championships where the race is the all important thing, but this is all about the spectacle and the event of it. It's great to hear they're enjoying it so much. I'd love to know, you know, where the the youths invited along or did they happen to find that it was on and go along on their own accord or how they came to be in there? You know, the, the main the main thing is that they were enjoying it, aren't we? Yeah, I think it was a lot of families. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. Um, I, I just... The, the, sorry. I just Googled the, the venue because uh, you described it sort of as being level with the ground and that and they call it the UFO and the only question I have, Kit, do you recall, was there any like men walking about in black suits with flashy light things? And uh, <laughs> do you, is there any gaps in your memory from the weekend? <laughs> it definitely does look like something out of Men in Black. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, I, and, it's a, and trying to find design. the entrance was quite something. I mean, from, from the level that, I mean, once you get up onto the, because you, you have to go from above the velodrome to get down into it, obviously. It's ground, it's not quite ground level, but yeah, it's um, it's a very... And it was very atmospheric with all the snow that was on the ground as well. And you turn up at dark. No flashing lights, no gaps in your memory or anything like that, no? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, you wouldn't remember. But I wouldn't know, no. <laughs> she's, she's got gaps in her memory, but that's for a completely different reason. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kit, for, for filling us in. And you're going to write a piece for the site. So if people want to read a little bit more about it, that'll be up later this week. Um. Before we sign off today, James is still on vacation, so he wasn't able to join us on the podcast, even though he really wanted to. But he did send in a little audio bite for us to include in lieu of the Nerd Nugget today. So we'll end the end the episode with James. And thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Hey, everybody. James here. Super bummed I wasn't able to make the podcast while everyone else was recording this morning, uh, especially given everything that's happened here this last week. Um, I don't know if I need to go over what happened last week. I think you all know by now. But I did want to let everyone know that we really do sincerely appreciate the mountain of messages of support that you all have sent us, and it has really been a mountain. Uh, I almost feel a little silly for talking like someone died, but it really does almost feel like that's what happened here. And it has been really comforting to have people, all of you, mourn with us. Um, we obviously have a lot of things to iron out on our end, and that's especially the case with the Nerd Alert podcast. Uh, Dave and Kaylee were obviously super critical parts of the show. And although Zach was never really a CT employee, uh, he's got his own shop. He's basically just on contract or freelance or whatever. Um, he and Kaylee are really good friends, so I honestly almost don't even really want to ask him if he'd want to continue being on the show after this, just 
given how awkward it's going to be. Um, but anyway, I mean, we'll figure this out one way or the other. Uh, just to remind you, Ronan and I are still here on the tech side. Um, but just so you are all prepared, Nerd Alert might be going on pause for a couple weeks in the meantime. Um, so just want to say thanks so much for your patience. Uh, thanks again for all the love and support. And we'll hopefully be back soon. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.